This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today we're going to complete our studies in the Christian graces there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And we want to begin by reading those verses. It says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, <clears throat> doing a few definitions here, the word giving there and giving all diligence, paris ferro, uh, it is found one time in the New Testament in Vincent's Word Studies, says that word means to bring in by the side of, adding your diligence to the divine promises, adding on your part. And then adding diligence, the Greek word spude, their second definition is earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. So what does it mean to apply all diligence to add brotherly kindness and charity or love to our lives. Well, first of all, we need to ask the question, what is brotherly kindness? Well, brotherly kindness is translated from the Greek word Philadelphia, and it is found six times in the New Testament. Thayer defines the word Philadelphia this way, love of brothers or sisters, brotherly love. In the New Testament, the love which Christians cherish for each other as brethren. Adam Clark, in his commentary, made this comment about Philadelphia, and I quote, Love of the brotherhood, the strongest attachment to Christ's flock, feeling each as a member of your own body, unquote. An example of that feeling each member is a part of your own body is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. It says, For as the body is one and hath many members, so and all the members of the one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And then over in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 22 and 23 of Jesus, it says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we are all, if you are in the church, we are all of one body. And you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says there in verse 25 says that there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or if one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. And then verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So, of course, that being written to the church there in Corinth. Well, then looking at brotherly kindness or brotherly love, how do I add brotherly kindness to my life? Well, I am taught by God to do it. One thing here, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. It says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Now, brotherly love there is what we're looking at here, but there it says where it's taught of God to love one another. That's agape love. That's a different kind of love. And if I add adding brotherly kindness to my life, how do I do that? Well, that will be that my love for the brethren will abound. Look at a couple of places here. First, go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So right there, that is how we will add brotherly kindness or brotherly love to our lives. And that is by not doing anything through strife. You know, vainglory, that's pride. Don't be proudful, prideful. Don't be proud. The Bible never says a good thing about pride. And yet, you see people all the time, they're proud of this and they're proud of that and they're proud of the other things. The Bible never says anything good about pride. And don't look just at our own things. Look out for the good of others, as we see there in verse 4. And we need to have a mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ here, verse 5 of Philippians 2, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being, the American Standard Verse says, existing in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made of himself no rep or made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to the death of the cross. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to humble ourselves. And if we do that, then our love for the brethren will abound because we're not going to look down on others. We're going to consider others as better than ourselves. In Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 1. Hebrews 13, 1. Let brotherly love continue. The word there, continue, also means remain. Always abound in brotherly love. Again, quoting Adam Clark, in his commentary, he makes this comment, and I quote, Feel for, comfort, and support each other. And remember that he who professes to love God should love his brother also. Unquote. Well, what will I be like if I add brotherly kindness to my life? Well, for one thing, my life will be totally different. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, look at verses 9 through 15. Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. The word dissimulation there means hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy, or you might say, let our love for one another be sincere. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Kindly affection there, the word also means cherish one another. Brotherly love, again, this fraternal affection. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant or steadfastly, in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. So right there, our lives are going to be totally different. Now, Romans 12, 9, I want to reread that in the King James Version and then read it again in the literal translation. The King James Version says, Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. The literal translation says, Let love be without dissimulation, in horror fleeing from evil, 
cleaving to the good. And then Romans 12:11 in the King James Version says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The literal translation says, In diligence, not slothful, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And again, I am not going to be hypocritical if I am adding brotherly kindness to my life because I will not pretend to be what I'm not. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 22 and 23. 1 Peter 1, 22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. An unfeigned love of the brethren. The word unfeigned there, according to Strong's, means this. Hence, to play a part or to act. A hypocrite is therefore an actor. Do not pretend to be religious. Do not pretend to follow Christ if you're not going to. We need to be sincere in our following our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what kind of love is Paul, excuse me, is Peter talking about here in 1 Peter chapter 1? Well, it's found in verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word love here, you know, whenever we're looking at Peter says, adding to your brotherly kindness charity, that's what we're looking at. This kind of a love that we are to have here for one another. And it's supposed to be 2 Peter 1, 7, not 1 Peter 1, 7. And to brotherly kindness, charity, or love. Love is the noun version here, agape. The word love here, or agape, is found 116 times in the New Testament. Thayer defines that word this way. Brotherly love, affection, goodwill, love, or benevolence. <clears throat> the kind of love that we are to add to our brotherly kindness is the same kind of love that God has for mankind. John 3.16 gives a good definition there of this kind of love. 
It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, the kind of love that we are to have is the kind of love that God has for us. And that is a self-sacrificial love that looks out for the best of others regardless of what it cost us. That is agape love. That is what God did for us. You see, it cost Jesus Christ his life, which was the best for us, because now we have the opportunity for salvation, regardless of what it cost him. He shed his blood for us. And that's the kind of love that we're to have for others, a self-sacrificial love that looks out for the best of others, regardless of what it costs me. That is agape love. Agape is, or agapao here, is the verb form. And the verb form is found 142 times in the New Testament. So if you look at how many times the word agape is found, 116 times, and the verb agapao, 142 times, we find 258 times in the New Testament a form of the word agape is found of this kind of love. God emphasizes this kind of love in his word. Let's look at another example of the kind of love that God has for us and that we're to have for others. And that is Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, stopping there, he asked the question, Who are the ungodly? Everyone that has reached an accountable age was ungodly or is ungodly. Was ungodly if we have been converted to Christ. Is ungodly if we have not been. Verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I want to read down through verse 10. Verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, you know what he's saying there? Before we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are the enemy of God. 
For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, and notice how, through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's how much God loves us. That is how much we are to love God and to love one another. Love is the zenith of the Christian graces. You know, you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says there, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, this word agape, love, these three, but the greatest of these is charity or love. So how do I add this kind of love to my life? How do I add that to my life? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 here in the Sermon on the Mount. And we have Jesus saying in chapter 5, verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So how do I add this kind of love to my life? I choose to. God here even says, love your enemies. That's that word, agape. Love your enemies, the form of that word. Love our enemies means that we are going to have a self-sacrificial love that looks out for the best of them, regardless what it costs me. Love them. Bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. You know something? That's also going to be how I show that I have this kind of love in my life. And then, this kind of love, how do I add it? I am going to pursue it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. <clears throat> that verse says, Follow after charity or love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. But what he's saying here, follow after love. That's what you need to have. Thayer's second definition of the Greek word translated follow after here is to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing to run after. We are to pursue love. So, how will my life change if I add this agape love to my life, 
this self-sacrificial love that looks out for the best of others, any others, regardless of what it cost me. Well, love will be obvious in my actions. Go to the book of John, chapter 13. John, chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 34 and 35. John 13, 34 says, Jesus speaking, <clears throat> A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Well, we have both forms here of agape there, that ye love one another. I have loved you, that ye also love one another. We are to have that self-sacrificial love for one another just as we do for God. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 15, If ye love me, you'll keep my commandments. If we have a self-sacrificial love for Christ, we're going to do what he says and not what we want to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to see what our lives will be like. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. And I'm going to, King James here has charity. I'm going to use love for each time. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Love doth not behave itself unseemly or improperly. Seeketh not her own. What did Paul say earlier that we read earlier? Look out for the best of others, not at your own things. Is not easily provoked. Love is not easily provoked. We don't fly off the handle when we get mad. Thinketh no evil. In other words, it doesn't hold a grudge. Do you have a grudge against somebody? Then you don't have agape love. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. We rejoice in truth. If someone points out sin in our lives, we rejoice because someone has loved us enough to tell us. And we need to love others enough to tell them when there's iniquity or sin in their lives. Verse 7. Of love, it says, Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, love never faileth. Love never fails. <clears throat> In 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 16. You know, we looked at John 3.16. Look at 1 John 3.16. That verse says, Hereby 
perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's the kind of love that we're to have. Do you have a grudge against the brother in Christ? Is it something to do with your opinion, his opinion? You know what those opinions, you know how much value those opinions have? None. The opinion is valuable probably only to the person that holds the opinion. Now, I'm not talking about doctrinal matters. I'm not talking about moral matters. For example, have you ever heard of brethren arguing and fighting over the color of the songbook? What color the carpet should be? Whether the pew should be padded? Whether we should lay gravel in the park? in the car park out there in the driveway or should we put asphalt or concrete people argue over anything and people's opinions is really or excuse me are really important to themselves but on judgment day are we going to be judged by opinion no we know that from John 12:48 Jesus said he that rejecteth he that rejecteth me and heareth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. We're going to be judged by the word of God, not our opinions. Now, continuing here, how will my life change if I add love to it? <clears throat> I will continue to abide in God's love. Look at John 15 verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> John 15, 9 and 10 says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. <clears throat> if we want to abide in the love of God and in the love of Christ, we're going to keep his commandments, as he said in John 14, 15. Look also at Romans 8, 35 to 39. <clears throat> Romans 8, 35 to 39. Talking about abiding in God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Shall any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is no. But he continues to say, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then he says, nay, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
if we continue to obey God, nothing can separate us from his love. The only thing that can separate us from God, and I'm going to say, you know, God still loves us even if we fall away. He wants us to come back. But we're the only one that can separate us from God. Nobody else can. We choose to do that or not to do that. Well, if I, how will my life change if I add love to it? I will love others enough to tell them what they need to hear. An example of that is in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. <clears throat> It says there, and when he, that being Jesus, was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, saying, or asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not uh, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now verse 21. Then Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross, and follow me. You see what the example is here? Jesus loved him, not just because he had kept those commandments that he mentioned, but he loved him because there was one commandment he wasn't keeping. And that was, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Because his wealth was his God. Verse 22. And he was sad at that saying and went away greed, for he had great possessions. You see, Jesus loved this one that came running to him. We know him as the rich young ruler. Jesus loved him enough to tell him one thing you lack. If you want to have eternal life, this is what you need to do. The young man didn't do it, as far as we know. So the question then comes, do we love mom and dad enough to tell them what they need to know? Do we love son or daughter enough to tell them what they need to know? Do we love our friends enough to tell them what they need to know? Do we love our neighbors enough to tell them what they need to know? That's the kind of love we are to have for one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, look at verses 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. 
It says there, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, that by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do we see what we, we have to speak the truth, speak it in love, and then make sure that we build each other up in love. Self-sacrificial. We're to be building each other up when all too often we're too busy tearing each other down. Oh, did you hear what old so-and-so said? Well, let me tell you what he said or what she said. Do you know what old so-and-so did? Well, let me tell you. You see, is that love? No, that's gossip. And gossip is not love. Gossip is not motivated by love. So I'll tell others what they need to hear, and I'll love others enough. If I add love to my life, I will love others enough to forgive them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're looking at what happened to the person that is mentioned over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we find that there is an individual, verse 1 said, is recorded commonly, there's fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. In verse 9, Paul says, I wrote to you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, but with or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then you must needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. Don't even eat with that individual. I've heard a preacher one time say, well, that's just eating the Lord's Supper. Well, that makes absolutely no sense. Am I going to have to get up in front of the congregation each time the Lord's Supper is served and say, is there anybody in here that's guilty of any of this? If there is, I can't eat it. No, you don't eat a meal with that individual. Verse 12, for what have I to do with the, to judge them that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. In other words, they were to withdraw fellowship from that individual, and apparently they had. But they loved him enough to tell him what he needed to do. And you come over to... 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 that we were looking at says, Sufficient to such a man is the punishment which is inflicted of the many. In other words, they withdrew their fellowship from him. Now, did they shun him, stay away from him? No. 
they would have continued to tell him what he needed to do. And here he's saying, sufficient to the man. It's been done. Verse 7, So the contrary wise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. In other words, he repented. He repented. And Paul says in verse 8, Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. You see, you loved him when you told him what he needed to do. You loved him when you withdrew fellowship from him. You loved him when you kept in communication with that individual, kept telling them what they needed to do. He goes, now he's done it. Now confirm your love toward him. Show him how much you love that individual. So we're going to love others enough to forgive them if I add agape love to my life. And then, you know, I'll put up with others if I add love to my life. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you work worthy, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, putting up with one another in love. And then verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring there means giving diligence. The unity of that being the solid unit of truth that has been revealed of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're to be at peace with one another if we add agape love to our lives. And <clears throat> how will my life change if I had left to it? I'm going to motivate others to do good. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. He says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. The word provoke there means to stimulate. The word consider means to observe fully. Do we need to be involved in each other's lives? Yes. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But notice, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're to stimulate, we're to exhort one another, we're to encourage one another. If we love one another, that's what we are going to do. And, if I, how will my life change if I had left to it? My love toward others is going to abound. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. 
We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, as it is needed there. That it is because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity or love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Their faith grows exceedingly, it keeps increasing, and their love toward each other the word aboundeth here comes from a Greek word that means superabound. Superabounding love toward each other. And you know, all of these Christian graces that we looked at must abound in our lives. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 1 and look at verses 8 through 10. <clears throat> he goes, for if, that's a big if, these things be in you, what? What things? Not faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. If these things be in you and abound, they're not there skimpily, they're not there a little bit, they abound. Your life shows that you have an abundance of these things in it. They make you that ye neither shall be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, in other words, these things may be in his life a little bit, or he may not have all of them, but he's lacking. He lacked these things is blind. The word blind there means smoky and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. What's happened? They're falling away. If we don't have these things in our lives and they abound, we have fallen away from God. Wherefore, because of that, verse 10, the rather brethren give diligence. That's that earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything to make your calling and election sure. For if ye, if, there's that word if again, if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. If you do what things? You add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge temperance, to your temperance patience, to your patience godliness, to your godliness brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness a self-sacrificial love for others. If you do those things and they abound, you won't fall. You won't fall away from God. 
you know, we need to do our best. That's giving diligence to apply brotherly kindness and a self-sacrificial love for others in our lives and all of these other Christian graces to our lives so that we will be successful in this life. And the only way to be successful in this life is to prepare for an eternal home, an everlasting home. Are you prepared? Are you adding the Christian graces to your life? Are we doing that? Are we preparing for the second coming of Christ? Are we living as we should be? Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to be with us today. And we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoy this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.